Hi there, I'm Jim. And I'm Julianne. Let's talk teaching. Welcome to Let's Talk Teaching, a podcast from the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology here at Illinois State University. I'm Jim G. Joining me today, Dr. Julianne McFan is back. Hi, Julianne. Hi, Jim. I'm glad to be back. It's been a while. Too long. Too long. Well, today we are talking about, we're going to nail down a topic that we keep talking about here on our podcast. And Claire said, you need to get Julianne in to talk about rubrics rubrics we talk about rubrics and we're gonna we're planning a couple episodes about rubrics but today we want to kind of do rubric 101 rubric 110 whatever the basic is to help help everybody let go of their fear well let go of their fear and in my case we were talking before we started recording i use something that i think is a rubric but then again i'm not entirely sure it may just be a checklist so let's start with the very basics what is a rubric what's it for and and what does it look like well a rubric is kind of a magical tool, if I can use that term, where it enables us to take things that are more subjective and try to quantify it. So um, I was talking to a faculty member earlier today, and she's like, I'm reading all these essays, and it's taking me forever. And I asked her if she had a rubric, and she said, no. And I kind of went, oh, you'll want to use a rubric, because then you'll know what to grade and what not to grade. So it's um, a reason I call it magical is because it makes your grading so much easier. (laughs) (laughs) Not that anybody's interested in that, of course. Well, of course, yes. Uh, Now, it is, I would actually call it more like a map. It's kind of like a roadmap. It it keeps you on course. Is that I think that's a valid thing to say. I just want to say, you know, it makes grading so much easier, but it also makes learning for the students so much easier. Sure. It also helps yeah. them be able to achieve the goals you want them to achieve. Mm-hmm. And it allows us to be consistent, too, with our message. So that... oh, that's just crazy talk, Jim. <laughs> well, you know, that was going to be the title of our, of our show, but we went with Let's Talk Teaching instead. So, oh. yeah. So uh, the idea being that by staying on track, we're also able to, what, uh, be consistent from beginning to end in what our expectations were. And not only be consistent, but articulate for ourselves what our expectations yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So if I may tell a story. Sure. Um, so when I first started teaching college, I didn't really know much about rubrics, even though I have a degree in educational psychology, so it's kind of embarrassing that I didn't. Mm-hmm. And so I was teaching an advanced ed psych class, and most of my students were already school teachers. And I gave my students an assignment and uh, one student uh, be on the paper. And he came to me after class and was quite upset and said, why didn't I get an A on this paper? And okay, so the snarky side of me wanted to say, because when I threw the papers down the stairs in order to grade them, yours <laughs> didn't make it all the way to the bottom. But yeah. you know, we're not, yeah. we're not really supposed to grade papers that way. Right. But um, I wasn't able to articulate for him why his was different than his classmates' paper. Right. And so then a colleague said, oh, you need to use a rubric. And once I started using rubrics, I could, it was like, oh, this is what I am looking for 
when I give you this assignment, you now know what the parameters are. I've been able to articulate for myself what I'm really looking for, not just I know it when I see it kind mm -hmm. of thing. And the students know, oh, here's, here's the objectives for this assignment, and here's what we're hoping to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And so w when we're talking about expectations, we should probably just get this out of the way yeah. now. I guess from what we have when we were talking off mic, there are, is more than one camp as far as um, yes. with this question. Should you give the rubric to the students ahead of time or not? So where do you fall in that? I'm in the give it to them ahead of time mm -hmm. camp. And I am too, by the way. Uh, and, and I think it's from a pragmatic point of view, I think it will help reduce the number of questions your students are asking as they're mm -hmm. trying to complete the assignment mm -hmm. because they... It, right in front of them, it says, I want you to do X, Y, and Z, and here's the caliber. Mm -hmm. In order to get an A, you need to be doing this. In order to get a B, this. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you don't do these things, mm -hmm. you're you're not succeeding. Right. And I guess the uh, argument on the opposite side would be that all the, the fear is that they would just do the minimum uh, in order to get the grade they were looking for, I guess, or something? And I've heard that argument. And and so sometimes when a professor says to me, but they'll only do what's on that rubric. And my reaction is, well, if you've used a grid kind of format um, rather than just more of a holistic mm -hmm. point value thing, if you give them that grid, you've already said, here's here's the components you need in order to excel mm -hmm. and if they excel isn't that a good thing yeah exactly exactly <laughs> right yeah exactly I so mean, i'm right. thinking it's good and and i would imagine and this we may not get too deep into this right. for this episode but i would imagine a lot of it depends on what are those uh those cues that you're writing up yes. and and are they aspirational enough are they clear enough are they broad enough um so that something that is excellent really does represent a lot of work and learning yes right? so for my undergraduate learning and motivation class, Intro to Ed Psych, what their assignment was is they had to read a scholarly article related to whatever topic we were learning about in class and then go out into the classroom related to and, and observe teachers and see if they're seeing this article topic in action or not. Mm -hmm. So because I wanted them to do a scholarly article, if they use the CAPIN, which is the journal for um, educators, then they would get an average grade for that particular um, aspect of the assignment. Mm -hmm. If they used um, a more scholarly article, um, then they would get an above average. If they were willing to tackle the Journal of Educational Psychology, mm -hmm then they would get exemplary for that because they were going above and beyond. But in conversation, they knew, okay, what I'm expecting from you, where you are right now, I would expect you to be able to read an article from the captain and be able to understand what it's talking about mm -hmm. and see what's... Now, if they were using something like Teaching K-8 or the National Enquirer, then... <laughs> They were going to lose points on right. that aspect. Right. But there were other things that they could get points on. Right, right. No, that's good. You know, the, uh, before we get into, like, the structure of a rubric yeah. or, a, or a, a, a rubric that works well, 
before we get into that, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how to say this, but I have found that since I've started using rubrics, and I've been using them for a long time because mm-hmm. as people are tired of hearing on this podcast, <laughs> I teach often a, a broadcast performance right. class, which is just inherent subjectivity. There's just a lot of, as long yes. as you don't set yourself on fire, you've met kind of the minimum criteria. <laughs> Um, and it hasn't happened yet. Thank and goodness. if they do set themselves on fire, they must, they have to do it in an interesting way. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So no, but in all seriousness, um, I have found, but I do have a lot of writing involved mm-hmm. in my class and I've done this for other courses too. You know, we, we, I find myself as, as fair as I try to be, I, by the end of a long semester and I'm grading those final papers, I do find myself thinking about everything that I and that student have gone through together uh, the good and the bad. And I find that the rubric is a good gut check when I have to yes. ask myself, am I being too hard on this student? Yes. Am I, am I flaying them alive for their less than stellar grammar when that's not really a learning outcome for my class? Yes. I, I think you're right on target with that because it th- goes back to that making the subjective more objective mm-hmm. because – all you're doing is looking at that map and right. saying, you know, have they chosen something above and beyond mm-hmm. or are they right where they should be for that particular thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's right there in that paper or that performance or mm-hmm. whatever, then you can't say, well, you know, I don't think so. Yeah. And you start feeling maybe bitter or I think what I've encountered before is that uh I have to I have to ask myself am I being too hard on them for whatever reason um and you know the other part of it is is this the uh first paper I've been uh, I'm grading or is it the 21st because if I do it all in one shot and and by the time I get to the 21 21st I'm either maybe really hard on them or I may be being really easy on them to be totally honest and the point is they're not getting adequate feedback correct uh and whatnot so and that's one of the other things I love about rubrics is mm-hmm. that, and why I love the grid format, even mm-hmm. though we're not get, getting into it right now, but one of the reasons I love the grid format is it enables you to give that feedback sometimes by just circling the box. Right. So, so that's, let's, let's get into the format. Okay. Because, um, and of course, one of the challenges of doing an audio podcast is that we're talking now about something very visual. So we right. will have some examples we'll link to on the website yes. for this, uh, the show page for this show. And there are a couple other websites we'll talk about here in a little bit or some online resources. But when you're saying a grid, what I'm envisioning is not my fear sometimes that it's just a checklist, but it is something with multiple iter- uh uh, what do you want? To, it's a continuum that you're you're grading on. Okay. Yes, and so kind of th- thinking about the grid. If you think of the first column going down that column, put down the the goals for that assignment. What are you hoping that they mm-hmm. achieve? What are you hoping they will learn? Mm-hmm. And it could be like going back to that example I said with my Ed Sykes students mm-hmm. tackling. Um, scholarly articles. Right. Um, and perhaps it's, are you able to work in the library? Whatever's appropriate for whatever that assignment is. And also a way to get away from the becoming a proofreader while we're grading. Yes. Yeah, see? Is, yeah. And is that what I often do is I include within that um, part of that weighting. Mm-hmm. Not everything has to be weighted the same amount. Mm-hmm. Is that maybe five, ten percent of the grade is communication? Mm-hmm. 
can I understand the message they are trying to send to me? Can mm-hmm. I? Is it? Uh, and unsatisfactory might be. There are so many grammatical errors. I can't understand your message. Mm-hmm. And I, ten percent of that grade, then you know, if I can't understand their message, then it it's not an exemplary paper. Mm-hmm. It's not an A paper. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm getting though is uh, also is that the idea of a grid is that you have your learning uh, objectives on the left hand side. What are, what are the right. goals for the exercise? But then the rest of the grid, it, it is more than just a bri- binary proposition typically. Except maybe like, did they turn it in or not? But right. beyond that, there you know you you are laying out a continuum. You're laying out right. a, a spectrum of, of of choices. So some of the choices that people like to use across that continuum they they need to be non judgy sounding. They mm-hmm. need to be non judgmental. Okay. So some um, popular terms would be mastery, partial mastery, progressing, emerging, um, distinguished, proficient. Intermediate, novice, accomplished, average, developing, beginning, um, sophisticated, competent, partial, partly competent, not yet competent, which kind of sounds judgy to me, but yeah, I know yeah. it's popular. Yeah. What I like to use is developing, average, above average, and exemplary. Mm-hmm. Um, because sometimes it, developing is like, yeah, you need some help here. Mm-hmm. but I'm not ready to write you off. Mm-hmm. And so then what does exemplary mean to you? So right. some a big part of creating a rubric and why it's so good at helping you develop the assignment is because you have to ask yourself some questions. Why did you create this assignment? I know that... Well, no, that's, that's <laughs> actually a very good question once in a while, especially if you've been doing it over and over again, semester right. after semester, and it's like... Why am I doing this again? That's right. You know, what <laughs> what what learning outcome is it associated with? Right. Um, how how does this assignment relate to the rest of what you're teaching? Mm-hmm. Uh, what skills? Really hammering down what are those skills you want your mm-hmm. students to have or develop? And what exactly do you want them to do? Mm-hmm. So in the process of creating the rubric mm-hmm. and articulating okay, this is what a developing aspect looks like. This is what Mm -hmm. an average looks like. It really forces you to think about, am I clear in what I'm asking the students to do? Do Mm -hmm. I need to tweak it a little bit? Mm -hmm. And when you create a well-designed assignment or exam, Mm -hmm. then it makes also makes it easier to grade. Yes. Everything works together. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense to me. And so by answering those kind of higher fundamental questions that you brought up, that informs what are the actual prompts on the rubric. What are the actual correct? Because you're you're narrowing in only on what is important. Correct. And what is what achieve, what answers those questions? Or what provides the answer to those questions? No, I think that's great. So uh, a couple other little technical things sure. about the rubric. How how long does it have to be? Does it have to be something that's? Oh, great. Can you can you get away with a, a a simple little something, or is it too? I mean, so that's a great question because I have seen some rubric. Rubrics, and I'm putting that in quotations, uh-huh. that have that are so complex that they're almost worthless. I mean, like tax code level of yes, yeah, yeah yes, yeah. And and I think and I've seen those too. And I've always thought, at least from a student standpoint, I'd be wigged out by that, or or I would never bother to even look at it. Correct. I just, I just roll the dice and see if I how well Correct. I did. And and when you 
have too many dimensions, then it's harder for you to differentiate between the different levels mm -hmm. on that continuum. Mm -hmm. So I would say maybe five uh, learning outcomes or tasks or something mm -hmm. on the column, mm -hmm. um, down column, and then really no more than five, but three to four um, degrees, degrees or whatever. Yeah. Um, okay. seems to be ideal. And th mm -hmm. that goes back to, you know, developing average and um, above average and exemplary. And one thing that Claire and I talked about in a, in a previous episode, um, Claire LaMonica, our director, was giving open comments. So when I, so on some of my rubrics, I have, in fact, most of them, I leave blank bullet points at the bottom of the grid to remind my, me to don't just say good job, but try to give some specific right. feedback. How does that play into to a rubric or is that kind of separate from the rubric process? I don't think it's separate. What is nice about a rubric is it it's often used as a summative grading tool. You know, you have mm -hmm. your assignment, you're going to give a grade. Mm -hmm. So that gives you that formative thing. You're doing well here. This is where you need to develop. Right. But then at the bottom for those comments of, okay, this is what I saw. You did this part really well. Good job. Keep up with that. You, you stumbled in this area here, and this is why you got, mm -hmm. you know, You've mm -hmm. got the circle. I, I circled the boxes. Right. Um, and this is why you got that there. So you might want to think about X, Y, and Z mm -hmm. or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I think they complement each other. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. So one final thought about rubrics that I have is that I have actually congratulated. I don't know if this is if I'm fooling myself or not, so I'm going <laughs> to ask the expert here. Um, you tell me. Because uh, there have been times when I've got, gotten done evaluating those papers and occasionally you know i'll go and i'll add up okay what what are all the numbers add mm -hmm. up to in the rubric um and all along i've kind of felt oh, it's kind of a b paper and mm -hmm. it ended up being a b mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of an a paper oh look it was an a so i don't know if that means i i have uh created an instrument that i can use well or if it means that I am somehow a genius, or if it just means I'm really good at anticipating what I'm going to circle on the rubric. I haven't <laughs> figured that out yet. And there may not be an answer to that. I, I think it's um, because you have taken the time to think about what does a B constitute? Mm -hmm. What does a C? What's an A? That it enables, as you're reading it, it's like, yeah, this kind of, yeah, this goes right in there. Mm. And mm. so you've already done the, laid the foundation. Before we go, I just want to talk about a great resource. I, yeah, please. We're, I, we are going to put resources on the page, mm -hmm. but Rubistar, and I don't know the whole URL, so right. we will have the link there. So it's technically designed for the K-12 environment, mm -hmm. but it is a tool that you can use to create rubrics. And the reason why I like sending faculty there is because... They've got thousands of different rubrics that um, teachers have created and college professors have created. Mm -hmm. And there may be something in your subject area, your disciplinary area, that you can do a search on. And even if it isn't exactly what you're looking for, at least it can get your juices flowing and, mm -hmm. and enable you to... Um, think, oh, yeah, I forgot. I want to include something like that. Or when you're drawing a blank and you're like, what? Because the top and the bottom levels are always easier to articulate than what's in the middle. Sure. And by going to Rubistar, I've done this. 
It's like, what is, what am I trying to say for the middle? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, this is it. So Rubistar, and um, it's from the Department of Education. It's going to ask you for your zip code. And I just say use the university zip code, and that's fine. There you go. That's my little plug. I think that's great. Julianne, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Let's Talk Teaching. Find out more about our podcast and get all of the links that we talked about for today's episode by going to our website, ctlt.illinoisstate.edu. For Dr. Julianne McFan and all my colleagues here at the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology, until we talk again, happy teaching. <laughs>